What is up, Network? Joining us on the Pilot Network podcast today is a man of many, many talents, Air Force and Navy fighter pilot, law enforcement officer, EMT, author of the military espionage thriller novels, The Spectre and Alex Shepard series, airline pilot, YouTube star, and of course, dog lover. His name is C.W. Lemoyne, a.k.a. Mover. We're going to take a quick strafing run of Mover's life because, frankly, we just didn't have enough time to cover everything we wanted to. But we do go to some really interesting places. It's pretty funny to listen to some social media dudes talk about how social media can screw up your career. It is pure irony. Also buried in the episode is an incredible deal in his book series right now if you're interested in picking them up. And some really unique guests coming up in the near future on his live show, Mondays with Mover. I hope this conversation is as fun for you as it was for me to have. Now, enough of me, and let's get to the good stuff. Here is CW. CW, finally, we've got this, uh, this working. It's been a noble effort on CW's part and a, a horrible effort on my part to finally get this podcast rolling. How are you doing? Good, man. Just happy to be here. Yeah. So Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We want to, first of all, I want to welcome you personally, but the network I think wants to welcome uh, you as well, because see, there's a lot of us out there who aspire to many things, but CW is doing them all. And let's, yeah. uh, <laughs> the, the guy is an author, a fighter pilot, uh, a, a burgeoning, aspiring helicopter pilot, uh, a social media maven. Uh, he's got great ideas on how to not screw yourself over going in the long run with your career. And I think yeah. uh, as I watch your videos and I participate in your, in your, in your kind of in the exposing of your life and your YouTube channel, it's really cool uh, to experience kind of what you're experiencing through your lens why don't you tell the network who may not know who you are just a little bit about uh, your background and uh, kind of how you ended up with a YouTube channel with something like 300,000 subscribers on it. By accident, totally. <laughs> <laughs> but luck and timing, like everything else in life. I mean, you know, I, the, the long story short is I'm, you know, I'm an average dude that has had a lot of good opportunities. I, um, you know, when I was a kid, I was told, you know, you're never going to be a pilot. You're never going to be a fighter pilot. Your vision's too bad. It's not going to work. And then uh, when I went to school, kind of like your pilot network, um, there was a baseops.net, which is now flyingsquadron.com, really, really uh, popular website. So kind of same network, what you're doing. And I was, you know, that's where I learned about the guard and reserves and stuff. And I ended up getting hired by an A-10 unit to be a student hire while I was at college. And I was like, dude, this is the awesome, the best job I've ever had. You know, this is, and it was just because I called. It was not because I was, you know, good grades or smart or anything. It was just because I called and the dude that answered, like, I got hired by an A-10 unit and Hurricane Katrina rolled through in 2005 and wiped us out. And the wing commander said, I'm never taking A-10s back here again. And we were going to be closed anyway. So, you know, I was at OTS, which is officer training school calling group commanders, you know, OT Lemoyne requests to ask a question. Uh, can I have a job, sir? I had to go rush units, uh, you know, after OTS, because they said, we're not going to send you the pilot training if you don't get a, uh, a unit to sponsor you, because that's how it works in the Guard and Reserve. And so I, uh, I, I went down to Homestead and really awesome active duty guy, actually, 
who was doing their active duty uh, TFAP program, uh, showed me around and, you know, uh, we got along and, you know, they're like, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll hire you. We'll sponsor you. So went to pilot training and uh, ended up flying the F-16 and, and wanted to get back closer to home, closer to family. I've got a special needs brother. So I, you know, I got hired by another A-10 unit that also closed. So I'm really bad luck for A-10 units. I had a buddy that when the squadron closed, you know, he's like, uh, hey, uh, why don't you come fly Hornets? I'm like, really? I can do that? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, dude, it's awesome. All we do is BFM, which is basic fighter maneuvers, dogfighting, and red airs. Like, it's the greatest job ever. So I was like, oh, that, that sounds interesting. I just happened to run into him on a cross country. And uh, he's like, yeah, dude, come out and, you know, we'll get you hired and interviewed there and said, okay, I'm transferring to the Navy Reserve. Let me go do this for a little while. And uh, did that for several years, was diagnosed with uh, uh, polycystic kidney disease, which is a hereditary uh, kidney thing. And I didn't think I was ever going to fly again. I thought that was the end of that. And so uh, while that was happening, uh, I don't know if you remember, because I, I know because I was a member of the pilot network and people were talking about it. But back in 2014 was the end of the you don't have to do the ATP, CTP nonsense. Yep, that sounds about right. And uh yeah. So I didn't want to be an airline dude at all. Like I was like, I, I like flying pointy nose jets. This is fun. I don't want to be a bus driver. And, uh, but you know, everybody's like, dude, do your written, you know, go do it, get it done, get shepherd air, do whatever. And I was like, okay, fine. So I did the written and then it was expiring in 2016. So I was like, well, okay, yeah, let me, uh, let me do the, the check ride before, you know, time's out just in case. And I did it. And as luck would have it, you know, I, I passed at that time is when I, the, the diagnosis happened in, in 2015, 2016. And I was back to flying, but even though I was cleared by NAMI, which is the Naval Aviation Medical Institute or me medicine or whatever, the BUPERS, which is the, so the Navy is not like the Air Force. It's two different sides and two different sets of doctors. And one set of doctors said, yep, you can go, you know, pull G's, fly fighters, you're fine. No problem. And the other set of doctors were saying, well, if you deploy, you could, your condition could worsen and we can't do anything with you. And I don't know if, if you know anything about VFA 204 in New Orleans, we were flying legacy A model Hornets. So in order for us to be deployed, no kidding, Will Smith would have to fly one of our jets and the aliens would have to be attacking because <laughs> those jets are so old and they were so, they were, they don't have, you know, mids, they didn't have anything necessary to go deploy. But, you know, the Navy being the Navy is like, well, nope, says right here, your personnel code's deployable. Even though you only do red air, your personnel code's deployable. So uh, you've got until the end of the FY to, um, you know, to do this. And so I was like, God, oh, this sucks. And, you know, I appealed it and stuff and I lost. Luckily, because I got my ATP, you know, I, I was applying to airline units because I kind of saw the, the door closing on me. Uh, not airline units, but, you know, airline jobs. I, I got hired. And I was like, wow, I did not expect this. Okay, awesome. So I got hired in the interim by an air force reserve squadron. So I was like, well, I'm going to go back flying T-38, but the, it is not as easy as people would think to go from service to service. It is a six month process at the fastest. And it's, for me, it was about a two year process because uh, the air force was like, Whoa, you were in the air force, but new phone, who dis? you know, what do you, who are you, who are you? We don't know you anymore. So they wanted a full medical workup. They wanted all the stuff, you know, that, that, uh, the Navy had just done, and it took them two years to approve. So in that interim time, I did a staff job for the Navy Reserve, flew for the airline. So it was really good opportunity. And during that time, I know this was a really long-winded answer to your question, but 
um, I had started writing uh, books in, in between my transfer from the Air Force to the Navy, so 2012. Uh, I had some downtime, and when I deployed, I had a couple ideas, you know, floating around. I'm like, well, what if this, and, you know, some fiction uh, novels and stuff uh, that, you know, I thought I might be able to write. So I, I did. I, I started writing, and I just, you know, wrote one book and then self-published it, and then the second book happened, and then eventually, you know, it's three or four books, and I was enjoying doing that. In 2018, my buddy, good friend of mine from the squadron who also transferred to the Air Force Reserve, he's like, dude, you should do a YouTube channel. Why am I going to do a YouTube channel? He's like, no, dude, you know, you can talk about your books and, you know, it's just another good avenue. You let your readers get to know you because readers, you know, love to interact with the authors and stuff. I'm like, yeah, that's not bad. I like cars, you know, and you start doing, you know, I love the car channels and stuff. So first YouTube episode was just about, you know, cars. I was buying a Camaro. I started doing car centric, go to the range, go shooting, you know, just stuff that I was interested in while talking about cars and kind of talking about what was going on. And the, I had a small Facebook audience, uh, Facebook page, and they were like, Hey, why don't you talk about, you know, how you became a, a pilot, how you became a fighter pilot? I was like, eh, okay. And that video is essentially what launched YouTube for me because I, I, I did the video, I sat down, I'm like, all right, you know, just exactly the same story I just told you, just much longer. And uh, I started, it, it went, uh, it started getting a lot of views. I think it got like 100,000 or 200,000 views. And I started getting people like emails, like, hey, I'm interested, you know, how do I, how do, I do what you did? You know, I didn't realize that you could do this if you weren't, you know, an astronaut. You know, I thought you had to have perfect vision. I thought you had to be you know, 4.0 GPA. I thought you had to do all this stuff. I'm like, no, no. So then I made another video, you know, like here's the, the first steps you've got to do. And then, then it, then I finally transferred to the Navy or the Air Force Reserve in my T-38 squadron. And about a month after I did my first couple flights, Hurricane Michael came out and just destroyed Tyndall, just wow. wiped him out. And uh, so we were, we had some downtime and our, our, our bros were hurt. I mean, we had a lot of good dudes that lost everything. So one of the guys in the squadron set up, set up a GoFundMe. And I was like, oh yeah, dude, we need to put this out. And every video I had made to that point, I got people in the comments saying, why don't you play DCS? You know, why don't you play DCS? And I didn't have a computer. I just had a laptop, you know, and people were, you know, we play DCS. So I was like, I got an idea. I will make a deal with the viewers. I said, if we can raise, you know, $2,000 and run the GoFundMe from five to 7,000, I'll go play DCS. You know, I'll go, you know, I, I, one of the viewers had emailed me and said, Hey, you can come to my house. He lived right down the road. You can come, you know, play DCS on my computer. Um, and I was like, shit hot, let's go do this. You know, and within like a week we raised, you know, like five grand. It was amazing. It was just incredible. The generosity of that community and it went to help. I mean, these people, were real. I mean, they didn't have gas for their generators. They didn't have anything. So the, the money really helped because they, they couldn't get relief. So I was like, man, this is awesome. This, this is an opportunity. So I went and did the uh, video, pissed off the DCS community like you read about. Oh my God, they were not happy because, you know, it's the, the flight sim community is very particular. You know, they want you to take it as seriously as they do. And I was just like, oh, this, this is fun. You know, it's, it, it's when you do it for real, you know, I mean, when you go do sims, if you're not doing it for a reason, you kind of just, oh, okay, this is fun. Let me go see if I can fly under this bridge or yeah, whatever. Mess around time. And uh, so I did, I did another video, uh, you know, I tried to make it a little bit better. And then 
you know, there was a little bit of backlash, but I started, you know, becoming friends with some of the the DCS folks, you know, some of the people that did that because they wanted more information. Some people thought it was a really great video. And so we did another, I forgot what the next one was. It was either for Folds of Honor or something. I said, you know, if we get raise this much money for charity, then Gonky and I, Gonky's my good friend from the Navy, we'll go fight each other. We'll do a dog fight, you know, with each other. And sure enough, we did it again. And we got to, we dog, we did a dog fight with each other. And that was a lot of fun, got a, got a lot of views. And that kind of kicked off the relationship that the channel had with DCS. And, and what it led to is I realized that not only could I have fun with, you know, doing stuff I like, like cars and talking about the books and stuff like that, but I could also reach people and, and kind of raise money and for things and causes and stuff and awareness. Uh, I started doing videos, you know, just in, uh, helping kids with how to, you know, how to, how to start, how to, where do you even go? I mean, there, there's no information out there and there's so many myths and stuff like that. And, and I, I found this article one time and I was like, it said, this is why you can't be a fighter pilot. I'm like, well, that's full. I mean, there's just, no, it's, 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 and it was everything that you've ever heard. That's just completely wrong. Like, you know, you have to be able to run a six minute mile and you have to be 4.0 GPA and you have to have 2012 vision, you know, and it's like, ah, that's wrong, 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 wrong. And of course, you know, it's fun to say, it. you know, it's fun to fear sarcasm and ridicule, man. I mean, it's always fun to, to, to do that kind of thing. And, 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 so I would mix in those kind of videos. And then we did our first uh, dogfighting tournament with, uh, with DCS and the Eagle Dynamics folks for the Folds of Honor. We did the Folds of Honor Fight for Honor uh, 2019. And we raised a couple grand for, for Folds of Honor. The, the reason Folds of Honor has always been very important to me is because um, when I showed up at the squadron, I met, uh, at the time he was Major Dan Rooney, but now he's Colonel Dan Rooney uh, Noonan. Uh, he's a guy in my squadron. And, um, you know, I was talking to some dudes and they're like, look, at this guy has, has given educational scholarships to so many people uh, who otherwise wouldn't have had it or had the opportunities and their parents have either been injured or killed in uh, duty, you know, in the line of duty. So, and I, one day I watched the man, we were at uh, the food court one day and there was a guy with a, a veteran hat on his kids and he was in a wheelchair and he gets up from our table. He walks over there. And I like, I'm like, well, he comes back and he's smiling and stuff. I'm like, Hey, what'd you say? He goes, I just told him his college is paid for. I gave him my card and here you go. And I'm like, Oh my God, like, wow, this guy is awesome. Like the things he does for other people, you know, it's, it's, it's such an amazing thing to see. So I, I really kind of took that, you know, everybody says you just have a cause. And I was like, I, I believe in this one. We did that. And I, I kind of made it more of an educational channel that tries to help others. And, you know, I mean, I'm still, promoting books and, and, you know, still growing as a channel. I mean, it's, it's a, you know, it's not all altruistic. I mean, obviously it's, it, it has become its own kind of animal and, and beast uh, and it's not without screw ups. Um, you know, I've talked about it before. Um, you know, one, one of the earliest things I did was in the T-38A. So, you know, we don't have a radar, we don't have a HUD, we don't have anything. I mean, we're just a 1962 trainer. I threw a GoPro in to try to document and show what we do for a flyby because we did the Folds of Honor um, Quick Trip 500 for Noonan. He was in the formation and he asked everybody, you know, hey, bring cameras. We're going to get the footage and stuff. And I was going to make it a three-part series with, you know, here's how we get to the, the airport that we're going to stage out of. Here's how, you know, the behind the scenes and then here's the flyby and stuff. And 
I did not realize because, you know, I just come from the Navy where anything goes. I mean, if you get the skipper's approval, you know, the skipper is God. You know, if he says cameras are allowed, cameras are allowed as long as you don't, you know, you, you abide by, you know, his rules and they trust you not to do anything stupid like, you know, film a, a classified, you know, missile or something like that. So, you know, I filmed it and uh, within a couple of days, the video did really well, but the my commander got calls from other places going, well, why'd you allow this? And look, there's an F-22 back there and, you know, like a thousand feet, not like open panel right next to it. And so I took it down and I, I used it as a teaching tool for, you know, the kids that I assumed were watching it that, hey, you know, you screw up, you own it and, you know, that's the end of it. So. I had hoped that that would be something to integrate, you know, kind of showing because it's, you know, T-38s are not fighters or anything like that. But, you know, I mean, it is what it is. I've, I've learned as I've gone, you know, it's not, there's no handbook on, hey, how to run a successful YouTube channel or how to not, you know, step on it while you're doing it. Uh, and I know that because I've had such a big social media presence, you know, I mean, I've, I have missed out on opportunities for other reserve and guard jobs because guys are like, whoa, we don't want that baggage. You know, we don't want that kind of drama because, you know, what if you film, you know, what if you go take a GoPro up and, and film something, you know, with us, you know, what if, what if you do that? So uh, it has been both really good in the sense that, you know, we've helped people and, you know, it's, it's kind of been career inhibiting as well. Yeah, that's, so let's jump into that. I, I mean, we're going to go deep real quick here because uh, that's something that you had a video on about. Uh, this was a couple of weeks ago, I think, on uh, on, yeah. t on TikTok. Especially, there's a couple examples that you bring up in the video uh, that are real precise, I guess, if you want to put it that way. In particular, about uh, certain individuals uh, using TikTok, probably for uh, obviously it's to get like in the video you say to get likes, and that's exactly what it's for. Yeah. But it's really, really it could be it could be very detrimental for careers. Now we both know that okay, social media way of the future, blah 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 for the normal human being out there. But if you're even thinking about getting into the industry of flying airplanes, and maybe even more so than just being a fighter pilot or a bomber pilot or or anything for the military, if you want to be a hired at a, a legacy airline. They uh they tend to look at your social media accounts too and see what kind of buffoonery has gone on there. Can you kind of delve into how that video and not only uh what you saw? You, I guess you don't have to get specific because people can go watch that video if they want to see that. Yeah. Um, but the, the the more of the why that kind of set you off a little bit because same thing for me when I heard about it, I was like, oh, dude, come on, guys, like don't be so stupid. So. Well yeah, I mean, the first part is it's cringy as hell, man. I mean, it is. It's you're just looking at that going. But the, but of course, you know, we're, now we're old dudes, right? So we're like, well, everything, you know, get off my lawn. Everything's cringy. So and, and when I first saw it, honestly, I was like, well, you know, it's a T-38. He's in the backseat by rule. You know, he, he's actually there. You know, it, he's not doing that. It's not that bad because he's in the backseat. Somebody else is flying. It's probably not that bad. Yeah, little, but, little setup, um, just a little setup for everybody. It's basically a TikTok video, backseat of a 38, uh, which is pretty legal. There's a lot of them out there um, that are, uh, I, you know, I, who am I to talk about 
public relations rules of the Air Force. Uh, that's not my yeah. not my forte, so I can't get too into the, into the details there. Um, but yes, the video is a little cringy, but there's a, like a second piece of that 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 kind of makes it yeah. worse. Well, and on that point, before we delve into that, I will point out that the Air Force does it really poorly. Uh, if you go to YouTube, you can find a million Hornet videos. Like, I mean, it's, it's, it's just as many as Cessna videos. I mean, because the Navy uses that for, for PR. They get free PR out of, you know, I mean, this is, this is why the Navy does so much better at this because, you know, they allowed Top Gun, we didn't, and then we ended up with Iron Eagle. You know, we, we, the Air Force in general does a terrible job at this stuff. They don't understand the landscape of social media and stuff like that. And so it, on, on the surface, I don't believe there's anything wrong with it because, like I said, you go look at the Navy. As long as you are doing it, you know, professionally and you're doing it, uh, you're not, you know, you're, you're being responsible about classified and you're not doing anything, not flat hatting or, or doing anything really dangerous, mm-hmm. I don't have a problem with it. What happened in this case, so if you go back even farther, there was a, an Instagram thing, I, I, the, the video I made before this, there was an Instagram thing, which I was originally going to ignore, which was, you know, they decided, you know, shit post Sunday, I'm sorry if I'm using foul language on your channel, I don't no, know what you're right. No, it's all right, we, we, we'll get, th- yeah. we, we go from, we go from uh, G to, to R plus, yeah. so it don't matter. So they, they did the shit post Sunday and, you know, I got to be the target, which is fine. What got me though was one of the guys apparently knew me because he was using because I don't I try to keep the authors you know CW I don't use my first name or anything like that yeah. and, you know especially not my childhood nickname and the guy knew it and I was like wow this dude actually knows me so why is this getting so personal you know and he he posted like four or five different things none of them were that funny but I was like okay whatever so I asked the dude I'm like you know hey who are you and he's you know he, he gave me a fake name and wouldn't tell me and I'm like yeah it's a little weak dick dude I mean honestly, you're hiding behind a fake, you know, meme channel or whatever. I mean, own up to it if you're going to do it. But I had to address one of the things was that, you know, they're like, I was just out to clout chase. They said that I was just out for the money and clout chasing and stuff. And I addressed it on my channel because I couldn't let it stand. I mean, that's one of those things, you know, you want to say that it's boring. You want to say that it's cringy. That's fine. But when you go make accusations like that, I kind of take a take issue with that because, you know, it has done, I mean, we raised $45,000 for Folds of Honor last year. So, awesome. you know, and it's, it's not like the channel is, you know, you, there's this huge myth and you probably know this. So that social media will make you rich beyond your wildest dreams. Yep. It is work. It is, you know, it's a full-time job. And, you know, I, I my gross, I, you know, if people want to know numbers, I mean, it was about what I made gross as a captain, you know I mean? But then you have all these expenses. So you know, I mean, yeah, you're making a little bit of money, but it's not like you're getting rich. You know, you're not making, you're not clearing, you know, 20 or 30 grand a month, you know, like people think that's just not how it works. No. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a real business. Yes, it absolutely, absolutely is. There is uh-huh. no, there's no, it, it's not a gift and it's definitely not, it's a, uh, if anything, it's a, it's a, uh, creative release slowly thing over the time of your life and maybe if you're lucky you may see a couple bucks in your bank account at the end yeah i mean and that's the thing i mean people are like well you know you're even at 03 pay and it's like well 03 pay minus expenses now you're talking you know now i'm if you did it per hour I'm, i'm making less than minimum wage you know i mean if you broke down how many hours i spent editing a video or editing this or or going out and doing something else i mean it 
you're not making a whole bunch for the amount of time you put in, but it, it's one of those things I enjoy and you know, I'm not complaining about it, but I wanted to clear the air on that. And then the very next week, the um, TikTok kids, I'm going to call them kids. They're not kids, but they're some very young TikTokers, you know, T38 guys uh, in the uh, companion trainer program. I'll call it that made some really cringy videos. And these dudes just, I mean, it went from, you know, me to them. And uh, one of the guys I'd been talking to and I'm like, dude, listen, I understand it's cringy, but these are real people. You know, this, you're actually using this guy's full name and you're, you're rolling in on this dude. What happened to just, you know, criticize in private praise in public, you know, what, what, what happened? You know, what, why are we, you know, cause it's dogpiling. What I was worried about is dude, what happens if one of these kids off himself? You know, what, what will be the air force response or the military response when you've basically had, you know, 10 internet, you know, Instagram pages that are just constantly berating this dude and he's getting harassed and he can't take it anymore. And that's the end of it. You know, I mean, not to say that, you know, I, I think that would happen or I think, you know, but mental health is a big concern in, in what we do. And I just hate to see, you know, it's one thing to do it in person. I think where they can kind of roll it off, do it at a roll call, you make fun of them. It's bro, but man, the internet's forever. Yeah. And so I, I was talking to him, you know, cause this was a guy actually, you know, was, uh, you know, chatting back and forth. And he's like, look, man, TikTok is a security threat. That's a, that's a good point. So I talked to one of my, um, uh, other mentors, the one that actually hired me originally, and I'm like, hey, what do you, what do you think about this? And he said, TikTok, the problem with TikTok is not the videos, which it is cringy, and it is, you know, it does make us look bad, but, you know, being a foreign-owned company where foreign intelligence can have direct access to all of your personal data, they can access your phone, they can look at GPS history, they can look at, you know, your contacts, they can look at, you know, location information, they can look at all this stuff. And when you combine it with your, your telling TikTok what you do for a living, and when you combine it with massive number of followers and all this stuff, now you're kind of starting to present a security threat. And, and so I was like, well, maybe, maybe I'm, maybe I'm partly to blame, right? Because, you know, I've got a big channel, I'm doing social media, I'm, I'm kind of a hypocrite here. And uh, so I was like, well, the only thing I can do is be honest. And that's what I try to do on the channel is just go, look, here's the threat. You know, here's, here's why you shouldn't do it. And, you know, here's why, here's how it's affected me personally. So I made the video, uh, you know, explain why TikTok is not, I mean, even though yes, Facebook and Instagram and all those places are selling your data, TikTok is the only one that's just handed it over to the Chinese. And China's a threat. They're a threat country. I mean, you don't, there's no reason to give them more than they, you know, already have. And so I, I made it. And then it's the other part of, to your point of just airlines and other stuff in general, where the internet is forever. So, you know, if you're doing cringy videos and a potential employer sees that and they're like, well, look, man, and one of the other things, back to you know what you were saying as well, is it may be cool today to say something, and we see this a lot in our cancel culture. It may be okay right now, but in ten years, it may be one of those things that's taboo. Yeah. And all it takes is for somebody to save it, and then in ten years they play it back, and now 
you're having to answer for something you did that was cool back then and is now very much not. And, you know, I mean, unless something major changes, we're still going to have this cancel culture where you're screwed. Yeah. Just, I, I was just thinking about that. I was watching a couple things on YouTube and my uh, Joe Rogan feed came up and um, there was the discussion he had with Jamie Foxx a couple of years ago about Tropic Thunder and the movie Tropic Thunder and um, uh, Robert Downey Jr. doing blackface in the movie. And then also just of all the other stuff that they kind of do in that movie. And you think about it back yeah. then when that movie came out, everybody thought it was hysterical. Everybody thought it was hysterical, right? The whole thing, like the it's whole, awesome. It, the, it's still and, an awesome movie. Yeah, That's, it's and, a great movie. And and now the you can pick certain things, use of certain terms, the way they portrayed uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s character, and even though it was never intended to be offensive in any way, all you have to do is look at a picture or hear a soundbite, and people can instantly go back in time and say we're canceling that. You know, that culture's like yep. we're done with it. And for whether you it, it it and it doesn't really matter where you come from politically, all that kind of all that kind of garbage, it's if you're gonna bring that pain on yourself because you wanna do a video that gets a bunch of likes or you wanna show off what you do or whatever, just realize the chances that you have of future success because you wanted to do something cool. It's kind of like getting hammered one night because it's so much fun and you're with all your bros. Just remember, you're going to pay for it the next day and you may end up paying for it forever if you've done it the wrong way. And that's exactly where you're going down this, this TikTok thing. And I cannot stress people to go watch this video about it enough because I've now seen, we've had it in TPN and we've got uh, some, some, I. I didn't think it was bullying at first and it's becoming bullying. It's on people just uh, hammering one another when, and just like you said, this isn't this, the internet's not the squadron anymore. And you can try to be in the most tight knit of circles and make it a squadron like atmosphere and roll call and all that good stuff. But guess what, dude, they can see everything. And by they, I mean, it's people who come into closed Facebook groups and are reporting everybody because that's what they do that's how certain people get their jollies so uh keep your keep it close hold if you're doing this stuff like you have a huge social media following i'm trying to convert some stuff from doing that i'm doing on the outside and then also with tpn but my private stuff stays within my private life and i i don't post my opinions on uh for uh, for the world to see because Frankly, it's nobody's business but my own. Nobody wants to hear my opinion anyways, except for when I'm speaking like in the podcasting. And even then, I don't know if anybody gives a shit. But uh, <laughs> but why do I need, why do I feel this need to go, hey, look at what I did today. And Like I flew the other day and I took a, a couple of shots um, uh, and put them on Instagram. And there were some air refueling shots. They were benign as you could possibly make them. I mean, there's a couple of F-16s, and if you look at the tails, you can figure out where they're from. But that's not that, that that's, about as, that's about as taboo or secretive as we get in the tanker community. If you're going further than that, and then you're starting to put them on TikTok, or you're doing something that can be, like you said, very cringeworthy, it, you, there's where you can cross the line, and that's where you've gotta be careful. So I just wanted to jump on your coattails there, 
And uh, so I'm like the little, um, from uh, Looney Tunes, the little dog that was jumping around the big dog, like, hey, George, George, be my friend. And I want, <laughs> I just want to hammer all the people out there that are doing that social media. You know, y- your opinion is your opinion. Keep it yourself. All that good stuff because it's happening in our Facebook group heavily. And we're, we've gotten as admins so sick of it. We just booting people. You know, it's like, we're done. We're done with, we're done with your politics. We're done with your attitude. We're done with the way you treat human beings. You're just out. I don't care which, where you come from. I can even agree with you. I don't care if you treat somebody like shit, you're out. So, um, I, I just wanted to go down that road with you as well. And then- well, yeah, well, I was going to say, uh, I wanted to bring this up. Um, he, he, he actually said I could read this on a, on a mailbag, but I, I wanted to, uh, it, it drives home the point. I got an email right after uh, that video you're talking about. And it said, much thanks for your recent video warning from the dangers of TikTok. I'm an active duty military counterintelligence agent with 19 years in. I can't tell you how frustrating it is every time someone shows me some TikTok video of a service member in uniform doing something stupid. Data mining implications and potentially sensitive platforms aside, the dumb videos give our adversaries free propaganda demonstrating the unprofessionalism within the ranks. It is very difficult to make the social media generation understand that their actions on the internet are viewed by more than just Americans. They're in it for views and likes. Our enemies love it for the free intel, propaganda, and potential for embarrassment. Um, and to your point, wow. you make it, that's a great point that the pilot network, now you're talking, oh, wait, they know this guy's first name? Oh, he applied for this, uh, he just applied for FedEx, and they just, you know, the guy recognizes and go, eh, I think we're going to pass on him, because what if he brings that drama to us? Yeah. And I, again, this is not, it's happened already, and people go, ah, but what, you know, what are the chances? It's like, but why take it? I mean, if you're talking about something that you've dreamed of your whole life, why bother even messing with it? For what? For in, for some instant gratification? Dude, we got super we got super deep here really fast. We didn't even get into, like, we haven't even really introduced who you are to the Pilot Network. We definitely have to do this again. And maybe we're going to do, like, a monthly with Mover, you know, do a 20-minute just, like, vent session on what's going on in the world of aviation. So... I, I definitely, I, I, I would love to keep going down this road because this is a whole category of conversation that I love to talk about. But I, I wanted to get some of the other awesome yeah. stuff you're doing out there. So as an author, you wrote this Spectre book series, which uh, has a lot yeah. of uh, the Patriot Games, Jack Ryan kind of, I mean, it's just a good set of uh, yeah. novella about that kind of world. How yeah How, so i can't even write a good email uh and i have <laughs> to back it up. how do you write fiction that comes from something that you know a little bit about in the world but then you have to go research all this other stuff i mean i know we all know michael crichton did a lot of that researched in depth for those yeah who are, uh fans of michael crichton but how does one go you know what i'm gonna spend some of my free time here uh figuring out how to make up an entire world uh, you know, I don't, I always thought it was like an interactive video game, you know, where you just kind of choose your own adventure. Um, I just started writing and, you know, I always say the characters tell me the story and uh, even the books, you know, it, it's almost the same as the social media thing. I have had, I went to an interview one time where up until the actual interview, it was winning comp. I was going to get the job. It was just a formality. 
all I had to do was show up and, you know, get through the interview and it'd be fine. This is a military flying job, which is, it goes back to your social media point. I hate to hammer on this, but I'm going to tell you, because you brought up the books and it's been the same thing there too. Anything mm-hmm. to put you in the public eye, you know, be ready. And so I go to the, I go to this interview and the squadron commander, you know, sits there and he goes, well, you know, tell me about the book. And I go, I, I did, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's fire pilot, he's out and, you know, his fiance goes missing, blah, blah, blah. And uh, he goes, well, did you get permission from your bros to write this? And I go, what are, you, what are you talking about? And I go, well, what do you mean? It's a fiction book. He's like, well, it's set in Homestead. I'm like, well, yeah, because they got to go to Cuba. You know, it's the only base you can go. I mean, it's right there. And he's like, no, oh, hey, you're making money off the backs of your bros. And, you know, you wrote a, a, a book about them. I go, no, no, man, it's fiction. He goes, no, you, perception is reality. And it became the most hostile interview I had ever been a part of because I didn't know this, but like a day or two prior, they called down for the bro check and there's a shrine in the bar to me, or at least there used to be of this book, you know, and, and, and they took offense to it, you know, even though it's completely fiction, you know, nobody's in there, you know, it's not any kind of relation to anybody, you know, people were like, oh, that's me. And that, that character is obviously me, you know, people start trying to connect dots where even though it's not necessarily there and that has followed me i mean it it is it has affected opportunities throughout my career of well you know it it, you know you'll write a book about you if you're not careful and that goes back to your point of you i know this firsthand you do not want to be in the position where you're begging for a job you know the the doors are slamming shut for for things that you know that are for out there forever and it's not like you can't you know, it's once you say fucking church, that's it, man. You can't unring that bell. So, you know, I, I can't take everything down. I can't remove everything. So I would say you can do it and that's fine. Just know that there may be consequences and you should be okay being self-sufficient and, and doing it. And you should want to be self-sufficient, honestly. It, uh, Gonky and I always talk about this together. It, it's like, you should want to be out from under the thumb of the government and corporate airlines that that is something that is actually a good thing so it is it is motivation to make you want to succeed more but just realize that if there are other things you want to do and you want to stay within the very narrow lines of fighter pilot to airline pilot or whatever just realize that you may be closing some doors by by going the road less traveled that so when you when you kind of delve down these books and after you kind of got uh were you when you got that know from whatever unit that or or the or the negative interview feel from that unit Mm -hmm. were you complete with the series or had you just uh had you just written the first or i was that was back in 2015 so i had written four or five books i was about halfway i've written 10 so i was about halfway through it okay so um i i wanted to when you so when you kind of when you got that feedback which you probably didn't. I mean, I understand not getting all positive feedback all the time, but you probably never had yeah. that direct kick in your teeth. No, you kind of attitude towards you, especially because that's somebody who has a projection of power over you in an interview set in a setting, right? Cause yeah, there. Yeah, and 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 that's that's important. I mean, you're. That's why you know, like the it goes back to the Instagram meme thing. Like to me, credibility within the community is more important than credibility with the public. So it doesn't like some asshole gives me a one-star review on Goodreads. I'm like, yeah, I'll go fuck them. I'm whatever, you know, I don't care. 
But when it's a, you know, somebody like you, you know, somebody that's credible, then it's like, oh, wait, you know, yeah, it absolutely. I mean, it, 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 it is a kick in the, in the junk because you're like, okay, well, am I, you know, what they say I am? You know, I, I, you don't want to be that, you know, I, I don't want to be that guy. But, you know, at that point, you just have to realize, you know, is, is what you're doing better for the ultimate goal, you know, or, you know, is it something that you need to change course? Yeah. Yeah. It, when you, so when you were, you're writing these, you're writing the books at, when you first started writing, uh, and we, we have mm. a few authors in, in the old network. When you first started writing, did you feel a sense of this is a creative outlet? Or was it the the fool's errand of I'm going to write a book and I'm going to get rich? Well, um, you know, honestly, a little of both. Okay. I mean, so okay. while while you're writing it, you know, it's more of a creative release because I just you know wanted something to do. Yeah. And then once it's done and you're like, look what I did. Yeah. Then you start you know pitching agents and stuff and you're like, yeah, you know. Then you, I mean. Yes. It is natural for your mind to go down that rabbit hole of, well, you know, I'm going to be the next Brad Thor and they're going to make a movie and, you know, it's going to be amazing, you know, and I'm going to buy this, you know, I'm going to buy this and I'm going to buy, you know, jet and it's going to be, you know, I think that's natural when reality sets in that that's not the case, you know, um, it, there is some level of what did I just do? Like, I just put this out there. I, I what, what am I, what am I doing here? You know? And, at that point, it becomes a labor of love because you realize that you're not going to get rich doing it, and it is a lot of work, but you enjoy – what makes it worth it is the people around you that enjoy it and the people – you know, you have, a, you have a couple, like, hardcore fans that you know, they, they read every book, they leave good reviews, they email you, they want to, you know, they want to talk about the characters and stuff, and that, that's cool. I mean, that's – that's a lot of, a lot of fun. And it makes you want to write more. Cause you're like, well, yeah, I mean, I love the characters too. Let's, you know, it, this is awesome. I see that. So uh, for all of you people out there who uh, are military pilots, uh, you've been part of a organization that's uh, number one job is to uh, destroy, right? Like we, we, we help blow stuff up. We help kill bad guys. We help break things. And the first time that you do creation of your own, uh, you, it feels really, really good. And then when you release it to the world, it feels really, really scary. So, cause it's the first time you're, it's the first time you've ever done it, whether you think you have or not, you're actually putting something out in the world for somebody else to critique. That's not your little, uh, bro and broette base at the squadron. This is for everybody. And when they get their chance, yeah. somebody's going to rip it apart. And I want to I want to commend you for doing that with uh, with the the written word because that to me is one of the hardest things to go out and do. Anybody can throw a, a podcast to a bunch of pilots out there. Uh, look, I'm doing it. You, you know, anybody can make a YouTube channel. Not anybody can get three hundred thousand followers or subscribers. But to sit down and write a book is truly what I think is a challenge for somebody to, especially creative writing. And I think that's really, really cool. Where, uh, before we get into the final question I got for you, uh, I wanted to ask you, or I want to make sure people know, uh, where can they go to read the Spectre series, order the books, follow you on YouTube? And obviously socials are, are kind of easy to do nowadays. If you can't figure out how to find somebody on social, you're kind of, 
then don't go on them. But, yeah. Yeah. So where, where can people start locating you so they can go out and follow all this cool stuff you're doing? Yeah. I mean, it's all everything, every social media outlet is CW Lemoyne. So CW L E M O I N E. That's the easiest way to find me. Uh, www.cwlemoyne.com. Uh, but then all the books are all ebook uh, or print. Uh, so Amazon, Barnes and Noble, anywhere you can buy an ebook, uh, it's available. In fact, for the next, uh, I don't know when this is going to air, but from uh, the 13th until the end of February, the Spectre series box set, which I can't say box, so the container set, <laughs> uh, which is the, the first four books, uh, is only a dollar. Cool. So I'm running a, so you can get four books for a buck. And I, I did that last year and it got a lot of people, you know, reading and then do it and stuff. So, uh, in honor of, you know, me, me getting older here this month, I'd figured I'd do another thing like that. So, yeah. And the books aren't all aviation. I've got the Alex Shepard series is actually stuff I wrote from, uh, I, I do law enforcement too. So, um, I took some of my law enforcement experience and wrote about that fiction. Not not nonfiction. I'm not interesting enough to write nonfiction yet. <laughs> well, it, that so, folks, check all of this stuff. I mean, like we haven't even scratched the surface, and I'm I'm hoping that we're gonna get CW back on and do kind of a, a maybe a quarterly little thing here where you can give us some good <laughs> insights because man, it's no, just, dude, they're gonna be so they're gonna be like, why'd you get that guy? He's he's such a oh, just get rid of him. You're gonna get so many thumbs down. It's just gonna be well, we'll see. They're gonna, gonna tell me. We'll, we'll, we'll put a little bet on it and, uh, and see what happens. Yeah. So I think the last, the last thing, and normally I, um, uh, I, I go into this detailed setup about, uh, memory items, bold face for those who listen to the show, uh, you know what it is for those who haven't, basically it's the, the one takeaway item that we're going to do today, uh, that CW wants all of us to remember about his appearance on the pilot network podcast. What, what, what do they need to take away from this conversation? I don't know about the conversation, but I, what I always like to leave with people is two things. One, rule number one is don't be a douche. If you just follow that one rule, it will take you so far in life because it will open up so many doors that people are like, oh, that guy, I like him. He's not a douche. That's number one. Just don't be a douche. The second one, which I guarantee you in 10 years when somebody watches this podcast, they're going to be like, oh, he said douche. That's not a word we can say anymore. Cancel him. But the second thing, you know, I always say, make them tell you no. And what that means is don't be your own worst enemy in life and in, in what you're trying to do. If you're trying to be an airline pilot, if you're trying to be a court, whatever, whatever your goals are, don't be the one that, that shoots yourself down. Let somebody else who's in a position of authority, of authority be the one to tell you no. So I say, make them tell you no, you know, because that's what got me where I am. It's not that I you know, was special or anything like that. It was that I didn't just accept it when the optometrist said, you're never going to fly. You know, I, I got the waiver, you know, I, I went to the final person who could absolutely make the decision. And nine times out of 10, if you do that, you'll realize that the answer will probably be yes. So don't tell yourself no, make somebody else be the one to tell you no. And I think that will help, especially in, I've noticed this in the YouTube comments, because you get a whole bunch of those and, and emails and stuff. I think it is part of our digital social media generation where there's not, there's not a lot of uh, tolerance for adversity. So when, it, you know, when somebody says, oh, you got to have perfect 2020 vision, that's it. They, they don't question it. They don't they just move on to the next thing, which I think that people just need to apply. Just do it. 
just try. It doesn't cost you anything to apply. Uh, you know, if they tell you no, keep pushing until you're out of options. And then once you're finally out of options, at least you can live with yourself, you know, if it doesn't happen. Words of wisdom from a fighter pilot, an author, a social media guru, law enforcement, <laughs> car guy, you name <laughs> it. The dude's done it. CW, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Uh, and remember, for all of you guys and gals out there, you want to get a hold of Matt or I, hit us up at heyguysatthepilotnetwork.com. CW, hope to have you on again uh, and soon. Yeah, man. Great conversation. Absolutely. All right, all right, everybody. Fly safe out there. Keep that shiny side up and the greasy side down. We'll see you later.